Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 12 of College Football Throwdown. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and with me here today is my dad, Peter Schmitz. Good evening. Yes. Yes, good evening to all you college football fans out there. Uh, we're here to talk about um, another crazy week of college football, um, but before we get into the more national-specific uh, discussion that's going to be the next podcast we're going to record, this one is going to be focused purely on the Nebraska-Miami game, you know, of our uh, favorite team. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I believe, Dad, you have the customary beer to... Uh, oh, yes. To crack... It is that time, isn't it? Okay, let's do that, shall we? All right. Oh, love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> All right. So I have some notes here um, about the game, and then also... Uh, we made some predictions on the last podcast in terms of the score. Um, so, Dad, you had said, you predicted that it was going to be a 28-17 victory for Miami, whereas I predicted a 28-24 victory for Nebraska. And so, neither one of us turned to be quite right, although I think you get the edge here since you predicted a loss and I did it. Well, there you go. All right. That, we're about... We're about e- well, I don't know that we're even since there's only been three three games so far, but 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 pretty close. Yep, pretty close. But you know, as things turned out, well, because of the fourth quarter, you know, it ended up being a much closer game than your score would have suggested. Your prediction. Right, right. Well, and, and but some of the things that I that I was concerned about going in, and we can touch on that a little more, but. But they kind of came true, so it's kind of interesting to see how that plays out and what it means to us. I think going forward, mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm not ready to overreact, uh, if you will. Yeah. Well, I um, as far as how we're going to structure this podcast, we've done some of the other ones like uh, doing positives and negatives. But because this game was so kind of back and forth crazy, um, we kind of figured we'd split it into three sections: the first three quarters of the game the fourth quarter, and then the overtime, and talk about each of those kind of as their own things. Um, I got the chance to go to that um, Californians for Nebraska bar again like I did in week one. And that was a fun time. You know, good to watch it with some fellow Nebraska fans. Um, and the thing that, like, because I also predicted, like, on the last podcast that our secondary was going to struggle and that we were going to give up some points. I kind of thought... My thought was that it was going to be a very offensively focused game, that like they were going to score on us, but we were going to score on them too. So the fact that our defense gave up those 14 points early, certainly the fact that we gave them up that easily upset me, but, but I kind of expected that something like that was going to happen. What really frustrated me early on was the number of drop passes and the big plays that would have like been first downs and like drive movers that were called back because of bad penalties uh those things really uh were what was frustrating me early on because we just couldn't get anything going on offense because of those mistakes and then our defense was you know having issues obviously yes absolutely now so the the thing is alex is uh, i agree 100 percent with what your observations were uh, you know, the, the, the frustration wasn't that we weren't getting guys open or anything like that, but that our, our own self-inflicted, 
you know, poor execution, you know, an untimely penalty uh, or, a, uh, or a dropped pass were two of the most glaring examples where that we just couldn't get out of our own way. And as a real result, uh, you know, with a defense that was struggling to adjust to Miami's intensity and speed, we just didn't match. That's probably the thing that bothered me the most. I mean, you get out of the X's and O's for a little bit. My my takeaway of those first three quarters was well, when we came out in the beginning of the game, we did not match their intensity, their energy, their want to. You know, it just seemed like we were sleepwalking, and and we kind of just were going through the motions, and, and they they were. They were running at, at, at you know regular speed, and, and we were running in quicksand or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know I saw there was some discussion about like whether that was the heat because it was a very hot, hot, humid day there. But I think feel like that's only so much of a factor. Right, and and I, and I I don't care whether it was hot. I mean, at the end of the day you're a football team and you have to be prepared that you've known this was on the schedule. You, you, you can't be surprised by the fact that in, in, you know, mid September, uh, in, in, in Miami South beach area that you're, you're not going to encounter thing, encounter anything other than hot and humid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is a question for you. Cause I don't honestly know. Um, is, uh, is that Davey guy still our, uh, a cornerback for us, like our starter, or has he been replaced by the guy who replaced him in the game? Well, I, I, I think, uh, the responses were, we're, uh, we're recording this on a Monday. So the responses are basically that, that we clearly have a problem back there. They're going to, they're going to experiment. I think the coaching staff has made it clear that they intend to experiment a little bit with maybe some different combinations, um, and and see how it goes. They're, they're trying their best not to just crush uh, Daniel Davey and, and make it all about him or his fault or whatever. He wasn't the only one that was struggling with those one-on-one situations. I mean, the reality is is that you could you could put a, 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 a you know a tape together of, of all of the passes to Daniel Davey, and you would see a lot of success on the opposition. And most of it though doesn't have to do with with wide receivers being wide open because he just bonehead made huge mistakes. It's just that his, you know, ball uh, skills, once the ball is in the air, uh, have something to be desired. And that's the part that, you know, you know, has been put on film. And so teams are going after him. And, and so at some point you got to get him off the field so that they don't keep going after that particular player. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel bad about picking on him because he's just a college kid. But there, we had some issues with that in some of the previous games, and I kind of thought, okay, that you know, this is his first game, whatever. Like he has like another chance, but then you know he got his like second chance, and here he made some made some big mistakes again. You know, so that's right. what has me kind of frustrated as a fan. Right, right. Well, and and that's one of those things where you you know I, I feel for Daniel Davy, of course, as well. So. It's one of those deals where you, you got to just let him keep fighting through it, even if it means maybe they have to sit him for a week or two. But, it, it, you know, if he takes the right attitude and the right approach, just keeps working hard, in all likelihood with that type of a position, he's going to get opportunities to get on the field again. And if he proves himself to have kind of regained his confidence and his, and his composure, uh, then they'll start playing him again. Because obviously throughout the spring practice and fall camp, he demonstrated a, a, uh, that he was the most consistent uh, uh, corner that they had. And going into the season, I would have expected him to be our best 
corner, and he's got great physical skills, and he's very quick and fast, and, and he's got all that athleticism that you need to play that position. It's At this point, he's fighting mental demons. Yeah. Well, and this is kind of funny. There was a guy next to me in the bar when we were watching the game, and um, there were a couple times where he was, like, telling him to, like, uh, throw the deep ball. And I was like, no, don't throw the deep ball. Uh, but then during the game, I noticed there was a couple times on, like, second and tens where we would throw long, you know, and not get anything. And the, just this play calling, that was frustrating me. Also, a couple times it was third and short, and we threw it instead of trying to just power it in there with a run. So there was some, some play calling decisions I kind of questioned. Yeah, I, 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 I think you, you're going to just have to get used to that. You know, I'm going to address that maybe a little more thoroughly when we get to the end of this podcast. Uh, with regard to our overall view of the game, because I could go on for long. So, <laughs> Keep but that I control. agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And but then, uh, and then getting to a positive thing, um, you know, our defense obviously struggled very early there, giving up those 14 points so quickly that definitely hurt. Um, but then the fact, you know, it looked like they were going to go up 21 nothing on us there, and we managed right. to stop them, you know, when they kicked the field goal, so 17 nothing. And as it turned out, you know, uh, as the game, because of how the game turned out, there's no way in hell that we the fourth quarter happens if our defense doesn't have its uh, solid red zone performance that it did. Like those stops where we stopped them and forced them to kick field goals were the key to us coming back in this game. Yeah, absolutely true. And, you know, some of that you'd like to... Assign all of that to our defense, but you, I, I would say it would be more accurate to assign some of that to them being a little inept uh, with some of the offensive execution and, and play calling that they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, some of it was that, and, you know, we had a, a lot of penalties and some big plays that were taken back on our end, but Miami, especially in the fourth quarter, had some big uh, big penalties that hurt them and took, I think there were two touchdowns that were taken away because of penalties on their end. So both teams struggled on that front. Uh, absolutely correct. Yep. And uh, then a final point I guess I wanted to make was that I, cause I remember we were watching it and we had some positive momentum there near the end of the second half because I think our defense had just gotten uh, a stop, yes. you know, st- stopped them and made them kick a, a field goal instead of getting a touchdown. And then we got the ball back, and Tommy was doing a good job on offense. We had a good drive going. Uh, and then, you know, the interception is thrown there. And I don't know if that was just some miscommunication between the receiver and Tommy or just a bad throw or what, but that really killed a lot of the momentum we had there. I saw our guys' faces oh, yeah. when they went to the locker room. It was a lot of shaking heads and, you know, downcast eyes. Even if we had gotten three points there, I think we would have – gone out you know happier uh but seven points especially like if we score seven points there and it would be what would that have been like 10 i think it would have been 10 to 20 20 if we went 20 to 10 into halftime there totally different ball game in my mind that was a key key turning point in the game and i and i would say that that that's the story that's a good way to summarize the, the first three quarters it was a it was a it was basically a collection of missed opportunities by Nebraska and, frankly, quite a few missed opportunities by Miami, but them just simply uh, executing and coming through uh, more often than us, primarily because I think they had 
more intensity, more energy, more want to than we did in, in the early part of that right. game. Yeah, well, and I'm thinking on it now, I can't really remember them having like a, a really um, impressive like drive, like an actual drive where they have, you know, 12 plays and go 80 yards for a touchdown. You know, early on, uh, because of some bad punts and stuff, they got the ball in like their own 40, you know, so it was like great, good field position for them. And then they had like these big throws, you know, and frequently it was like a big throw for 30 or 40 yards that got them into touchdown uh, situations. You know, I, I don't remember a drive where we like just totally couldn't stop them on like from getting, you know, progressive first downs. It was usually like we'd give up one big play and that would screw us, you know? Right, right. Well, and, and that's the thing though, is that that's, that's, that's become our MO. That's, that's what's on film now. And we're going to see more and more of that where teams are gonna, are going to be going for broke against us a lot because we now have shown uh, a weakness, a tendency uh, that we're going to give up big plays. So it's worth it uh, in terms of offensive game planning to go after us with big plays because we're going to give up enough of them that they're going to score some points. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to break through and, and see if they can uh, open the floodgates, which Miami was so close to doing on a couple of occasions during this game, and they just weren't able to come get it done. And then eventually we, we kind of started getting back into it. Right. And as a so, – as a good transition kind of into yeah. that, that fourth quarter talk, um, one positive thing of the first three quarters was Tommy Armstrong. You know, I know his stats for the day weren't that great, but when you consider the fact that he had all those drop passes by his receivers where he threw it pretty much on the mark, you know, if, like we had some of those back, he'd have a much better day stat-wise. And I saw some definite improvement of something I talked about in, a, in the previous podcast with him uh, scrambling in the pocket. He had a couple times where he the pocket crumbled around him and he managed to, you know, run for a first down, you know, or he just, or he was, he, he had more, he ran it on his own a couple times, like keeping it, you know, on a option or whatever, you know. Uh, so he just had, he made some good plays throughout that, those third, that those first three quarters, you know, he was individually playing pretty well it was the rest of the team that was kind of struggling. And then he did make some mistakes, obviously. But uh, that's what allowed him, I think, to lead us in that fourth quarter craziness. Right, right. And and that's the thing, Alex, is, is we're, we're very reliant on Tommy at this point because we are, we are not a team uh, loaded with uh, difference makers on uh, on offense particularly. We've got a good what what was what was a good set of receivers up until this game. They certainly had more than their share of drops in this this game. So you, you got to kind of have some pause. But up until then, and and even in the fourth quarter, uh, that wide receiver group uh, has done all right. But we don't have guys that we can count on to be able to go get open, make your own play. We don't have those kinds of guys. Uh, the guy that can make their own play, so to speak, is Tommy Armstrong at this point for Nebraska. Right. Well, and then so it was ironic. Um, this is a lesson to all you uh, fans out there. Uh, I co- you 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 called me. You texted me saying, "Hey, can you talk?" And so I came outside the bar and was talking to you on the phone. At that point, I think it was thirty-three to um, to ten. At that point, we had just gotten the ball in the fourth quarter, and I was talking to you, and you were still watching the game. But I was like walking back to my car 
because at that point, I mean, I, you know, I kind of figured that the game was over. Uh, but then, you know, I saw and it. oh, how wrong you were. I, yeah, and then we, I heard that we scored. I'm like, okay, you know, that's good to hear. And I found the Miami um, broadcast of the game on uh, the radio, and so I was listening to that. And so it was kind of interesting hearing the commentators on the Miami side talking when uh, when they got all those, pe- like that penalty that took away their touchdown and the penalty on Al Golden for, like, coming off the sideline and then all the penalties on that punt and – it was it was kind of interesting to hear just the breakdown on radio, uh, and then I came back home and found the game on the laptop and uh, was watching it on the Big Ten, or I guess I was watching ESPN. I was watching it on, and so I got to watch that kind of last spurt we had as we scored twenty three points in eight minutes. Right, right. That's cool. That's cool. Oh man. But you know, I mean, it, it was actually an entertaining game. It's kind of, kind of nice to to be able to watch a game and just just enjoy it for uh, the you know the peaks and valleys of two very imperfect teams going at each other, both uh, trying to win the football game, but but just getting getting in their own way <laughs> a lot. So um, uh, it was entertaining in, in in that standpoint, but it's not ever going to be used as an example of great football true although if if we had pulled it out in overtime that that game would have gone down as one of the best like comeback victories in nebraska history without a doubt it it would have it would have been the largest comeback in nebraska football history and uh i uh i would have to agree with you that it, it it people would have been talking about it as some kind of a turning point for you know um the early portion of Mike Riley's campaign as the head coach at Nebraska. I mean, there would have been all kinds of statements made about how how significant that victory would have been because of the way in which we would have come back and won the game. Uh, but we didn't. <laughs> so there's none of that, you know, and we move on to next week type of thing. So, right. But uh, let's, let's close out on the first three quarters. We talked a little bit about this fourth quarter now. You know, and the things you've got to admire is the team's stick to itiveness the the fact that they didn't give up I, I mean uh, I, I you know without getting into some comparison thing uh, with our previous coaching staff I I would just say that it's good uh, for us to see uh, uh, today with this team uh, that it that it has an uh, don't quit never quit kind of attitude and frankly I, I think it had that uh, for the large measure uh, in the Bo Pelini era although there were there are some notable exceptions where that didn't happen and so the question is is this an indication that this is a team that's going to continue to have that kind of spirited fight in it where it never gives up it never sees itself as being out of out of contention so to speak yeah and I and that's what I would say I, I take from that fourth quarter is that that resiliency there's all kinds of circumstances Miami lost their uh, two two key players on their defense which made frankly their defense uh, a shell of of what it was maybe earlier in the game made it easier for us to move the football and score so there's there's some things that happen uh, uh, to them or for against them that hurt uh, their ability to just close out the game and be done mm-hmm. yeah that's honestly probably my biggest takeaway you know uh, I saw there was an interesting uh, little analysis video put up on huskermax.com by uh, Sam McEwen, 
I'm sure you know who he is. Yeah, and and uh, right, he had a quote in that video that I thought kind of summed up my feelings about the game. It's weird Nebraska's lost these two games and doesn't feel all that bad, but doesn't feel good either because Nebraska probably could have won either one of them if they could have just toned down the mistakes. And I agree with that in that, like, it's hard to imagine a scenario where Nebraska's one and two, but I feel as good about being one as two as I do because, you know, first game was a fluky last second Hail Mary, you know, we lost on. And in this game, you know, we played pretty bad for three quarters, but had this incredible comeback, you know, and like you said, showed that our team does have spirit and that it won't give up. And, you know, I like I like those elements about our team. And it goes to show that we're not a bad football team as a, as a whole. We're just making too many mistakes right now. Right. And, and so those are things that, you know, as a fan and certainly as coaches, you can see them and say, that's fixable. Those are things that we can get better at. And we look at the upcoming schedule and you can you can begin to consider the possibilities that really we we knew going into the season and we've spoken about this that that this wasn't a season that where we were expecting you know to be competing for a national championship or anything like that 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 the idea of of getting to a big 10 championship game as as the uh winning uh divisional champion of the of the west division would be a huge positive step for nebraska and our program given where we are right now in terms of talent and circumstance and so, you know, all these games are just – you might as well call them preseason games like in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're important. They're, they're certainly going to hurt our, our uh, bowl positioning. But if we were to, uh, you know, right the ship uh, and through the course of this week, you know, um, do, uh, do what we need to do to continue to get better every week and hopefully eventually get some of our injured players back, uh, you know – by the time we get into the meat of the Big Ten season, maybe we could rattle off three, four, five wins in a row until we hit that uh, Michigan State uh, game. You know, Michigan State game. If we would do that, all of a sudden, you know, we would have we'll we'll be singing a different tune. Now, that could just as easily be we a bunch of losses uh, at this point, and we don't turn that corner. So I think at this point in time, right now, at one and two, uh, I, I would agree with you. I, I think that we have everything that we had hoped this particular team could likely do still out in front of us Mm -hmm. yeah i mean like you say what's really important is that when we get into the big 10 regular season that's where we have to buckle down and not lose to these teams that we're better than you know uh if we if we mess up there then yeah like our our hope of that big 10 championship kind of goes away that's why we need to fix these problems by then if these if these first two losses are a training ground for the coaches to, you know, work out those wrinkles, then overall I have to see them as a positive thing, I guess. If 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 we turn the right. corner, that and is. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. And so th- I just um, wanted to mention here the most. One uh, well, there's a lot of incredible things about that fourth quarter, uh, but the most incredible thing about it to me, the most improbable part about it is that we scored two uh, two-point conversions in order to make that happen. Because right. even in the scenario where you score three touchdowns, the scoring two two-point conversions is not a uh, – not, odds are not in your favor there. And we made That's it happen. True. That's true. You know, and, uh, and collectively, 
you know, we really haven't talked about um, about the overall yet because we're going to talk briefly here about the overtime period. But let's go ahead and get to that. You know, bottom line is we make the great comeback. We, we, we do exactly what you said, which is, uh, I mean, getting those two two-point conversions was awesome. Uh, that had to be one of the coolest feelings if you were, you know, uh, in that stadium down there as a Nebraska fan. And I'm sure oh, Miami yeah. fans were just livid with themselves oh, yeah. at that point. Well, too. I saw that, and, you know, uh, you, I, when you look at the game, like the stadium seats are not uh, not filled up. And when, when that happened, you could hear the Nebraska section of that crowd pretty loud in that stadium. Right. Well, that's the thing is that, the, the, yeah, the, the crowd – for the whole game was pathetic. That's just so disappointing, and you you wonder why Miami is is struggling to have success. I think that uh, I mean they're they're recruiting very well here in recent years, and that's frankly what's kept Al Golden his job is he he is doing a good job on the recruiting trail, particularly this year. Uh, but but I, I'm sorry, I mean Central Florida, South Florida, some of these upstart schools, they have better fan bases than. University of Miami, for whatever reason, that athletic department has failed completely at connecting their uh, students, their alumni, uh, you know, past players, all the things that they have going for them, and they can't get a fan base there. That's just craziness. It's just wild. But but uh, here's my quick rundown on the overtime. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Bottom line is is that you know. Uh, I think collectively, almost everyone recognizes that that uh, Tommy Armstrong, when he when he rolled out on that play, uh, saw a guy who clearly was open, and if he had been able to plant his feet and throw the ball properly, he would have been able to deliver a, a ball into the into the right window to uh, make that a, a fairly easy score, frankly, after his scramble. But the reality was he was running. Uh, because of early pressure, and and he did not plant his feet. He, he basically threw on the run, and it wasn't even close. He, he underthrew it not by five yards. He underthrew it by ten or more yards, mm-hmm. and and um, and it is what it is. Now, what transpired after, I don't even want to get into the Alex Lewis thing. It's not worth wasting our time. Bottom line, it was a dumb move by a, by a young man that's old enough and 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 is intended or supposed to be a leader on the team just made a mistake so uh, enough on that but then once those two things transpired you you had basically gifted the game to uh miami. to miami yeah. yeah now their kicker frankly just just got it inside the yeah the, for a second the there line. i almost thought we he missed it <laughs> i know but now here i want to i want to get to the end now and, and do a couple of things on that because i don't want this to run too long um well, I just want to say one thing about the okay. overtime thing. Yeah, I feel sorry for Tommy because, yeah, the guy was open. He just underthrew it extremely, and he knew it yeah. as soon as it happened, too. So, sucks. Uh, but also, just going back to the whole play-calling thing, why are we throwing it into the end zone on first and ten, you know, when overtime's just started? You know, you don't need to be going Agreed. going for the win that early. Agreed, and and you know what? To, to add on to your point, if you rewatch that play, if he just makes the decision to tuck and run, in all likelihood he gets ten or fifteen yards. He probably gets down to the you know the fifteen yard line or and a first down or maybe even closer to the ten yard line before they catch up with him and tackle him. And if he breaks a tackle, who knows? Maybe he runs it in. 
I mean, he was outside the containment of of Miami at that point, mm-hmm. and could have could have made some yardage, you know. Right, but um, like like I saw the the from behind from Tommy's perspective, like behind him looking towards the end zone, the uh, receiver was open. He waved his arm to so Tommy saw him. So clearly, right. Tommy wanted to throw to that guy. Like you say, he just needed to plant his feet and put the proper force into it. Right, right. But but he did but he didn't do it. Right. So after those things, what you know what Miami did with their offensive series is kind of irrelevant. I mean, yeah. they didn't have to do much. In fact, they really didn't do much, uh, and they ended up kicking it from like I don't know the ten or twelve yard line and yep. and got got the score. So end of story. That was not the way you would like to see it play out, but that's the way it worked. Mm-hmm. So yep. So getting to some overall thoughts, kind of like I said earlier, um, I've obviously still very concerned about our secondary um that's probably my biggest concern about this team in general uh, and our vulnerability on defense uh our line play on both sides of the ball well on defense our run defense wasn't terrible so there's that uh offensively uh we definitely let a lot of pressure get to tommy and that that is concerning um positives i thought tommy played really well you know, I thought our defense uh, buckled down when it needed to and made a lot of stops, honestly, when our offense was really struggling. Our defense was kind of the one keeping us in the game, ironically, even though, you know, they were the ones who kind of let it go at the beginning. Uh, and so I got to see this as a, you know, another big learning experience, a tough game, crazy, chaotic, college football-defining kind of game, and, uh, and got to hope that it, our players are able to look at the film and see that they're just dropping those passes, and if they catch them, the game is an entirely different setup. Right. Okay, you're absolutely right now, Alex, and I'm going to try to run through like five overall things now because I just can't seem to pick. Hopefully I'll remember them all because uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not operating with my normal notepad tonight. Uh, the, the, the first one uh, I would say is... Um, and this might surprise you a little bit. I'm going to um, contradict a little bit what you just said. I uh, I am disappointed that the, the the secondary didn't play better, but I, I really think they're going to be okay. Uh, I do, and I and I may be all wet, but I really think our big big problem is the defensive line, uh, and and the reason that the secondary looks like they're so bad right now is we're getting absolutely no pressure on a quarterback. And, and, and opposing teams are going to see that, and that's going to be our Achilles heel. If we don't get that addressed, then we're going to have that, you know, uh, two or three or four win season that, that is our dreaded worst-case scenario, um, uh, you know, that, that we have talked about. Um, so, number one, I, I'm going to tell you that it's about the offensive and defensive lines. That is where we need to, to, to get better and get better in a hurry. I actually think we have the talent and the coaching that we need in that secondary to, to get that righted. And I thought our linebackers, even with all the injuries and rotation and stuff that was going on during that game, uh, you know, the linebackers seemed to be doing all right. So I, I feel good about that. Uh, second thing, um, you know, we just came out flat. I mean, I, I don't know how a team could go and play the Miami Hurricanes with all the history and tradition and everything that we had going on and not be ready. That's a huge concern to me about uh, Mike Riley and the head coaching staff's ability to prepare a team 
uh, for a game. I can't understand how he could not have either sensed that his team was flat or uh, uh, been prepared to get them ready uh, through the course of the week. I mean, I, I just don't understand how the team could come out and be that flat. Um, and then uh, the, the, the third thing I would say is that after having criticized them for being flat, I admire their, their stick-to-itiveness. They did stay with it. Uh, they kept trying to find some things that would work. They eventually did, and they came back and, and made the game interesting and competitive. Now, uh, on the fourth thing is uh, the only way that Nebraska, in my opinion, ends up uh, where we want them to for the remainder of this season, meaning uh, you know winning these games against the West Division foes and you know maybe losing to Michigan State, but but finding a way to get to the Big Ten championship game. The only way that happens is if Danny Langsdorf specifically makes a, a strong commitment to uh, establishing a running game no matter what. I mean, literally almost to the point of saying, I'm going to establish at the risk of losing the football game, I'm going to establish the running game. Because they're not, I'm not, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing any commitment to the running game. As soon as they don't get, you know, explosive running plays, they abandon it. They go away from it. Uh, and, and you can't do that. You have to remain committed to the running game, even when initially it's not going well. Our yards per carry, um, per play weren't that bad. And uh, on the flip side, you said we played good run defense. I don't think we did. If you look at the yards per carry in the last two games, uh, uh, or I should say the, the two losses that we had, our yards per carry was not very good. Uh, our, our run defense isn't all that great. It's just that they are always passing, our opponents are, because <laughs> it is so easy to move the ball against us passing the football that that's what they're choosing to do. Um, and then my final thing is, is as you look at the stats from the Nebraska-Miami game, it's amazing how similar they are. Both teams had 24 first downs. Uh, both teams uh, basically had within about 20 yards of each other in rushing the football. Within, uh, you know, so total yards, uh, you know, Miami had about 40, 50 yards more than we did. Um, you know, your third down efficiencies were uh, very similar uh, both poor, frankly, um, and penalties were were crazy. And actually, they only had two sacks for all the times that they flushed uh, Tommy out of the pocket. They only had two sacks. We had one. So, I mean, even that wasn't dramatic. But 12 penalties for Nebraska, 13 for Miami, unacceptable. You know, three turnovers uh, for us, you know, right. uh, just I, crazy. I will say this, the, the second interception of the game where it – hit the back of the guy's helmet, went straight up in the air, and the other guy caught it. Yeah. Like, I can't criticize Tommy too much about that one. That was just a fluky thing. True. But, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. But there, there's kind of my summaries. Is I, I think there's some very key fundamental things here that, that have to happen, and it's commitment to the running game, uh, finding a way to make us make our offensive line and our defensive line more effective, and if we do those two things uh, I, and just clean up the, the mistakes as far as penalties, I think we still find ourselves in a good position to be reasonably competitive and maybe even go on a run here. If we don't do those things and instead keep trying to throw the ball all over the yard and convince ourselves that Tommy's gotten better, we're going to be disappointed because Tommy's going to continue to do this. His decision-making, like he did in that overtime, 
that that that's going to happen once or twice every game, mm-hmm. and it's going to come back to haunt us. I think we've got to establish we've got a stable of running backs that's as good as anybody has in the whole western side of the uh, western division. We have to be able to run the football. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and especially since Big Ten is known for its you know big physical uh, you know line play. Uh, if if our line can't get its act together, we'll get swamped by some of those better teams in the Big Ten. Exactly. Uh, all right. Exactly. So moving on to the predictions for the next game, uh, we're playing uh, Southern Mississippi. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So a team we should beat, you know, by all stretches of the imagination. Um, kind of good, you know. I mean, kind of like after the BYU game, we kind of had a a little bit of a break game, you know, kind of similar here. I think we need to use this as a time for our players to improve, you know, and test out some new things or, you know, uh, try to find what works before we move on to the Big Ten regular season. That's what I want to see out of this game. Well, the thing is, is I would say hold hold off there a little bit. <laughs> Uh, typical of, of a lot of those schools. This is a southern school. Uh, southern Mississippi always has lots of athletes. They're actually going to bring a team and an and a offensive and defensive approach that's quite similar to Miami's. Uh, they're loaded with athletes. They're going to match up just fine with us, uh, against us athletically, uh, because we're not a super athletic team. And, uh, and so so uh, I, I will tell you that we're going to have our hands full against this football team. This is not a pushover. This is not South Alabama. <laughs> well, I'm just going to point out, you said the same thing about South Alabama before you played South Alabama, that they also True. were loaded with talent and that we, we were going to struggle. It was going to be a close game, and then it ended up being a pretty comfortable victory for us. So, True. just saying. True. You're, you're right, and, and I, hope, I hope I end up being wrong on this one, but I think it would be unwise for any Nebraska fan to view this as some kind of a tune-up where we're going to almost assuredly be able to get get some guys some reps and, and build some consistency and continuity, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I hope we do use it to establish ourselves in the running game and really line up and play some smash-mouth football because if we can't line up and move Southern Miss off the ball, uh, that's, that's a bad sign. Now, if they're loading the box, okay, well, then we throw it uh, because they're loading the box. And we should be able to easily and effectively deliver some passes over the top. Once we do that, they would back off because they would have to avoid getting blown out by us. And once they did that, then we could establish our running game. So, mm-hmm. All right, so predictions. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, 35-17 we win. That's going to be my prediction. Okay. Uh, and, and just to contradict a little bit, I think I will do the same thing uh, – but I'm going to say that uh, I think we're going to respond to this experience we had down in, in Miami, and I think our guys are going to come out with a much higher energy level and focus. And I, I have a feeling the fans are going to try to give the team energy too. I think the, the fans are going to rally here a little too. And as a result, I'm expecting uh, a great performance for Nebraska, and I'm going to say it's going to be like uh, 48-17. Wow. So it is going to be a blowout. So you just said that you think we're going to struggle, and now you're saying we're going to no. blow them out. No, I, I'm saying I'm saying if, if someone thinks it's going to be easy and we can sleepwalk through that, they're wrong. But uh, but if we come out with a great effort and and and, and then 
then we will match what they have and and we'll we'll play at a very high level if we come out and and are thinking in terms of well we this is just another warm up to the big 10 conference then we're going to get surprised and we're going to be in a dogfight mm-hmm. that's my point it's all about mindset and and I am trying to be optimistic here, and I'm going to suggest to you that the combination of the uh, uh, the controversies with Alex uh, Lewis and uh, uh, the the good feelings that Nebraska fans had about the team, even in the loss. I don't know if you know this or not, but but uh, apparently there was at least a reasonably good sized crowd that went out to the airport and met the team on their return to Lincoln, and uh, was there to welcome them home and tell them how. They were proud of them and stuff. Uh, so I think that there is a, a subset of Nebraska fans that recognized the great effort that the kids put in and, uh, and are prepared to, uh, to back them all the way. So I think that there's not horrible feelings right now uh, about the team. Mm-hmm. I think there's an awful lot of people that still feel good about the direction and, and what's going on. So it's just a matter of let's clean this thing up, let's get it right. And so if they do that and they keep the, the – the, to the grindstone, we could see a step in the, a very positive direction for Nebraska. It just has to be serious. Yeah, there I could s- be no screwing around. I, I saw some comments that kind of suggested a similar feeling that, like, you know, even though we've lost these two games, fans appreciate the fact that Riley has kind of shown that his team is like will play hard and is hardworking. You know, it doesn't give up and all those things, which are things, you know, Midwestern fans would certainly would attribute to Nebraska, you know, just as in terms of our um, reputation and spirit and that sort of thing. You know, so I think people gravitate to that. Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, I'm hoping that our team itself responds to that kind of thing. All right. Well, we'll look forward to this weekend's game. And yes. uh, you can go ahead and email us at huskerpete13 at gmail.com. You can find us on Podomatic. We're at uh, footballthrowdown.podomatic.com. Also, also find us on their uh, app. We're also on iTunes under the same name. You can give us ratings and reviews on there, comments on the Podomatic website, all that sort of stuff. All right. Outstanding. And what a great finish off with this. I mean, that was a that was an enjoyable game. It was an amazing game. The ups and flows to follow. Uh, obviously, didn't love the end result, but loved college football and and loved the whole day of college football that was last Saturday. Yeah. Wow. Well, it was what a, a great day. It was a great day, and just in this is something we'll talk, probably talk about more about in the national podcast. But just in general, this season seems like it's off to a more chaotic start than even. I would typically expect of college football. College football always has crazy things going on, but this season has had a lot in just three weeks. It's true. All right. It's true. Well, we'll get into that. That's a teaser for next time. So Go Big Red. Go Big Red.